This is Yemen News. I'm Alex Williams. Today is May 7th. There are at least 20 official active cases of COVID-19 in the governorates of Aden, Hadramaut, and Sana'a. Additionally, there has also been three deaths as declared by the national authorities. We also have reports that at least 10 neighborhoods in Sana'a are being locked down for the next 48 hours. Although these are the official reports, we know that there is a lack of accurate reporting. The WHO says they anticipate that the virus is actively circulating throughout the country, and this is the most concerning. This virus has hit more than 215 countries and overwhelmed some of the most advanced and sophisticated health systems in the world. Meanwhile, after five years of war, Yemen's health system is fragile and facing catastrophic shortages. After speaking to government officials and INGO representatives on the ground, it's clear that COVID-19 supplies are insufficient for what's coming on the horizon. Today we have the pleasure of speaking to Rania, who is from Hudeda and is working with a local community initiative. She's working in a governorate that has over 4 million people and includes some of the most difficult rural areas to work in. It's also a front line in the battle between the Houthis and the Saudi-backed government. Rania, welcome to the podcast. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Rania, and I'm living in the city of Hudaydah. Uh, ever since the war uh, started, I've been volunteering in a community initiative. Uh, this community initiative called uh, Hope Initiative. We are serving the most uh, people in Hudaydah region, especially those who are uh, in risk and uh, and not be not feeling or being safe because of the war. How did you get involved with humanitarian work in the first place? As the war had grown more violent, uh, many people uh, had lost their jobs, lost their salaries, and some of them had internally uh, displayed in our area. I heard from the teachers uh, at my children's schools that some students were really hungry. They were not eating enough breakfast, and some of them even fainted at school because they hadn't eat at all. This really hurt me as a mother, and I started to wonder and to think what I could do to help those students. Over WhatsApp, I explained the situation to a friend who lives abroad. Uh, she said that she would be helping by paying for the cost of making sandwiches. Uh, those sandwiches will be distributed to the poorest students. Uh, we were lucky. With her support, I started making and distributing the sandwiches. My friends also helped a lot. For four years, we had made 80 sandwiches every single day for the students. We wanted to raise more fund and to expand this project to include other schools. So that's uh, why and how we started this community initiative. That was a great start. I'm sure you've learned a lot since then. I think in the West, most people imagine that people in need would be eager to get assistance and cooperate with any kind of humanitarian initiative. But we know that in Yemen, that's not always the case. Share with us about how bad experiences have made some vulnerable Yemenis reluctant to cooperate with NGOs. It is really challenging. Because many donors require, of course, local partners to go through the needs assessments first, just to get the agreement and the grant. 
So the local NGOs go out and do all kinds of assessments. But in the end, maybe they will, don't, they will not get all the grants. Or the, uh, there is a, a long delay between the time they do the assessment and the time they receive the grant. Of course, the people, uh, the local NGOs uh, that are assessing are in real desperate uh, situation and they don't understand all the hoops that the team have to jump through to get their project funded. They feel as they've been betrayed when they are exposed and they feel that they had exposed their needs and the risk that they are in. And there is no immediate response. They think that they've been used by the organization to raise money, but they aren't benefiting from it. So what I understand is that these organizations are doing the best they can to do their due diligence. But when you're the one with the empty stomach, there's not much patience for these processes. Exactly. There was one, one single mother who's living with her three children on a small farm. The farm was their main source of income, and it helped the family to provide with their daily food needs. However, because the war, they had to leave the farm and fled to another city. When our registration team first met this mother uh, in her home, uh, she refused to tell the team about her situation because she'd been hearing that many NGOs collect details about the IDPs and promise to support them, and they fail to provide any assessment. Can you imagine a single mother with no way to feed her children, and she's refusing to explain to explain and to speak to a humanitarian uh, person or organization about her situation. This is how every uh, much Yemenis have been affected by what seems to them like a broken promises uh, from any aid organization. Fortunately, we already had a grant in place from a donor who was a very understanding of these sensitives and the needs to provide a quick response to the most families who cannot wait or are in risk to get all the paperwork in order faced. So the team convinced the mother to give them a chance uh, to demonstrate uh, their uh, sincerity. And she had shared uh, the details about her family and we were able to get them aid they really needed. It's great that you've persevered in the face of some of these complex issues. I can imagine how helpful it is when donors are sensitive to the complexities, especially as the needs could increase even more this year. In the United States, the number of Americans that have registered for unemployment is now more than 30 million, which is basically the entire population of Yemen. Rania, how are you seeing the war and now COVID-19 affecting the few jobs that are available in Yemen? Even before the war, Yemen was struggling. But now uh, we are in the sixth year of the war, as you know. We're exhausted and barely holding on. With the COVID-19 now has begun to enter our cities, the fear uh, of a lot of workers is that they will lose their work that they already have. For example, the local initiative, our local initiative, 
has been helping a lady named Faiza. Uh, she is 30 years old and she's responsible of her family. She lives with her father, four sisters and three brothers. When we first met her, she explained and told us uh, they had a good life, of course, before the war. Uh, she was war working as a seamstress and her father was a daily uh, laborer who works day by day. Unfortunately, after the war, war had begun, her father couldn't find work anymore. And the prices, as you know, in the market were also increasing. Although uh, Faiza uh, still had work as a seamstress and her neighbors uh, helped her uh, uh, with what they could, you know, the, this was not enough to pay for a full meal in each day for her household. Uh, when we started giving them uh, the food basket, she said that the basket, of course, had saved them from being on the streets. But imagine now with COVID-19, it's really frightening for a woman like Faiza. She's worried that she will lose her uh, sewing work uh, that she already have. And at the same time as the organization, our funding is currently half, half what is, it was in 2019, uh, while the costs are at least 10 to 15% higher it is difficult for us as an organization and initiative when we think of all the people who are benefiting from this uh, initiative, like Faiza, who needs this year, their needs will be greater because of COVID-19. But we, will, we may be forced to reduce the assistance we already are providing to them. I think that story really humanizes the situation that Yemenis are facing now. You could almost say it's a situation where they've got access to half the aid, but they'll have twice the need they did last year. It's hard to imagine how Yemenis could buy their basic needs in bulk to practice social distancing when they have little to no income. Rania, we appreciate your work and we look forward to having you again for part two to understand more about how COVID-19 is impacting Yemeni livelihoods. Thanks, Alex. Please continue to share the word what is happening in Yemen. Thank you so much. Yes, I will, Rania. We like to encourage our listeners to help be a voice for what's going on in Yemen and help bring some fresh energy behind the Yemen response and the women and the men working on the ground like Rania. Please share the podcast and other content that's bringing this to light. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. My name is Alex Williams, and this is Yemen News. Mm -hmm.